Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Today I want to talk to you as we kick off our message series called Wisdom from the Wilderness. Actually, I couldn't decide if I want to call it Wisdom for the Wilderness or Wisdom from the Wilderness. It kind of depends on where you are at the moment. But as we start today, I want to tell you this one thing. I want to say it's process, not punishment. Say that with me. It's process, not punishment. One more time, really good and strong. It's process, not punishment. Now, I've come to learn this firsthand. Is there anybody here today that, like me, you have found yourself at one point in your life in the wilderness? If you found yourself in the wilderness, in a dry place where you're tired, you feel all alone, This happened for me, I believe it happened for Kelly as well, around 2008, 2009, uh, probably 2010, right in there. Uh, Anybody on the receiving end of the housing crisis, we got down into that, Kelly and I were flipping some homes, and, and then on top of that, in our own personal home, we had a situation that happened where we had Chinese drywall. I've shared this with you, uh, some of you before. But it was like this national crisis combined with our personal crisis. And it wasn't only a financial situation, but it was also a physical situation. Because there was sulfuric acid in our drywall that was emitting. It was interacting with uh, my eyes, our lungs, our central nervous system. Anything that was like water inside of us. It it burned out light bulbs, computers, TVs, all kinds of things. Uh, AC coils, they were like, don't worry though, there's no physical, you know, you're there's no danger for you. I'm like, we've replaced our air conditioning coils four times. It'll burn through that, but it won't burn through me. No, it burned through me too. So bad so that I would wake up on Sunday mornings and I, would, I was ready to go preach and I had facial swelling and hives and nobody could recognize me. And it wasn't that I didn't want to go to church to preach because of pride. That was probably some of it. You know, that was probably, it's, it's awkward to go out in public looking like Will Smith in Hitch, you know, or Chris Farley in that other, I can't remember what that movie that was, might have been Tommy Boy, but, you know, nobody would have heard what I had to say. They would have just been going, dude, do you see what's going on with Pastor? I mean, it was crazy. And so I was dealing with this thing. All of our kids were having nosebleeds. Our whole family would just have nosebleeds. Um, I had to start wearing glasses. Uh, Kelly had a brain scan because she thought she might have MS. Um, There were a lot of these things that were just happening, and I felt so complicated. And I remember thinking for a span of four four years, I thought, you know, I've got to be the most complicated pastor, and there was not a day that went by during those four years where I didn't think about getting another job. And it wasn't because I didn't want to pastor. I wanted to pastor. In fact, from the time that I was called into ministry, that I knew that that's what I was supposed to do, until that moment, all I ever want to do with my life is to be a pastor. In fact, when I took over people for care and learning, when they asked me to be executive director, I said, the only way I'll do it is if I continue to pastor. I know everybody that's led this has done this only, but I am a pastor. That's what I do. And so being a pastor to me, it's the best thing in the world that I could do. I, I love it. I can't believe I get to marry people. 
I get to be with people when they're at their most difficult situations. In fact, just this last week and the week before that and the week before that and almost every week, I'm with somebody that I love as they're experiencing loss. I get to go to high school graduations. I get to do a lot of things. get to pray and open restaurants and Walmarts and city council. It just feels really wonderful to be a spiritual leader in a community. But you know what? During this period, every day I thought somebody else would be better for the church. Our church was growing. I was, at the time, was pastoring in South Florida, and we had started another campus. In fact, we started another campus in the Florida Keys. Now, doesn't that seem like a great place to be a missionary to? Somebody just say, God bless you, pastor, for your sacrifice. (laughs) During that time, um, we also moved to the Keys. For one, because we had to move out of our house, and we moved into a really small place, and it was a challenging place. It was just very difficult. And I remember thinking, God, certainly somebody else can come along and take this because I just felt like I was drama for the church. Now, my personality is, is I scoop all that stuff up. I kind of internalize it. I hold on to it. I don't like to be drama. I don't like to be difficult. I don't like to be heavy for people. You know, I like to handle my own business. And I think that's good. But the Bible also says to bear ye one another's burdens. And I didn't really give anybody an opportunity to do that because I was the pastor and I was supposed to be strong for people. Well, it just gave me four years of physical wilderness, financial wilderness. We lost a lot of money during that time. And we lost property. We lost every house we had bought and sold. We rolled it over into the house we were living in. It was our dream house. Financial wilderness, emotional wilderness, a spiritual wilderness. I felt dry. Here I am battling this thing, and every Sunday I'm supposed to step up and give the words of God, words of hope and words of life. I felt like I was the least qualified person. Listen, am I describing anything that anybody else has gone through? Have you gone through something where you said, God, what are you doing, and where am I? Is it, am I describing it? Because somebody, make sure that I'm not alone here. Praise the Lord for that really far outstretched. Some of you are like two hands and a foot. You know, you're really, here's what I came to understand here. You know, because I was asking God, what have I done? What did I do? But here's what I come to, come to understand. That the wilderness is not punishment. The wilderness is a process. Now, the wilderness, let me tell you what it is. But before I tell you what it is, let me tell you what it ain't. The wilderness isn't God's abandonment. Secondly, it is not his disapproval. And then finally, it is not God putting you on a shelf. I see people all the time give their lives to a business, give their lives to a family, give their lives to a church. And then it seems like they outlive their usefulness and it's like they've been placed on a shelf. This is not how God works. We never outlive our usefulness for the Lord. God will never put you on a shelf. Are you alive today? Are you breathing? Let's go ahead and raise your hand if you are. If you are, God is not finished with you. 
He doesn't say, well, you've given me everything that you can. Oh, that's great. You had a business. You had made a lot of money. And now you lost your money. But now that you lost your money, then I have no usefulness for you. Listen to me. God doesn't need your time. God doesn't need your talent. God doesn't need your treasure. He wants you. That's what he wants. But when you lose your time and you lose your talent and you lose your treasure, God doesn't put you on a shelf and says, well, you've outlived your usefulness. No, it's God that's useful for us. He loves us. He wants to be in relationship with us. It doesn't matter what stage of life, season of life, or what pit we find ourselves in. God is affectionate towards us and he wants to be with us. Aren't you glad for that today? I know that I am. Now, here's what the wilderness is. The wilderness is a season of God's development where his promise uh, seems far and his, his, his presence, uh, or his presence seems far and his promise is in doubt. But God's promise is always true. God is not a man that he would lie. He's not a man that he would run out of time. He's not a man that he has a conflict uh, a scheduling conflict. Our God is not limited by time, space, energy, resource, nothing. And if God has promised you something, he, you can take it to the bank. In fact, if God promises to be with you, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Have you left him? Have you forsaken him? Of course you have. You're a human. But God will never do what you do to him. God will never do to you what you do to him. If he promises to be there with you, he will be there with you. You can turn your back on him. You can split hell wide open. But as long as you're living and breathing, he is pursuing you, going after you. But the wilderness is a time when his presence is just feels dry. And where his promises are in doubt, it feels like we're not going to experience the destiny and the hope that we had in our, in our life. Now, after the gospel, the truth that God gave his son, Jesus, to die for us, to resurrect and to ascend so that we could have life if we would believe in him, aside from the gospel, the best news you'll ever receive is this, that God has a plan for your life. And I want you to, every person, look at me right here. Look really good. Just pay really close attention. I don't care how you feel today, but God has a plan for you. And in fact, just help me reinforce that. Reach over and tap somebody on the shoulder right now and say, God has a plan for you. That's some good news. But while God has a plan... God also has a process. And that process is needed because if he brings us straight into our purpose, straight into our promise, straight into our destiny, we may, may not be able to handle it emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually. I mean, can you imagine if Joseph, when he was given his dream, had immediately gone to be Pharaoh's right-hand man to lead all of Egypt? It would have been a disaster. It wouldn't have worked. And, you know, young people, you've, you've heard God's promise and his plan. You, uh, Mom, you, you, you heard God's promise. Uh, grandmother, you heard God's promise. And you're saying, when is it going to come to pass? Listen, before the promise happens, there is a process that we've got to submit our lives to. And that process isn't to harm us. That process is to develop us so that we can handle what's coming. Here's what I've noticed is that 
there's something I don't know how to do. I said, hey, I don't know how to do this. They said, don't worry about it. You don't know how to do it. Then you do it. Then you know how to do it. That's kind of how it works, little by little, until you look back and you see that you're doing things bigger than what you ever could have imagined. And had God just placed you in it, there would have been too much for you to handle. Hey, let me speak to our business owners today and entrepreneurs. People are hustling. They're bootstrapping. You, you might be eating on some borrowed table. It's not even a table. You might be eating on a TV tray because you're taking money that you would be spending on your home and you're using it to get something up and going. Listen, don't be weary. Don't grow tired. You know, keep your eye on the destination, but keep your heart in the work. Mom and dad raising up little kids. They're going to be grown folks at some point. Listen, everything isn't nice and tidy. In fact, I want to say, if you have kids at home, I just want to give you permission and say it's okay to have a messy house. It's all right. Somebody praise the Lord for that today, right? It's, it's, hard, it's hard work. But that process that we go through, it's a developmental process that God's at work inside of our lives. Listen, the destination matters, but the process of God is what is beautiful. In fact, so many of the things we think we want, when we look back on it, it's not so much what we got. It's not just the mountain we took, but it's the people that we took to the mountain. It's not just the destination that we got to, but it was the relationships and the joy that we had along the way. I, I want to be achieve, an achiever. I want to be a getting things done kind of guy, but I also want to enjoy the people that God has placed in my journey because I'm a part of their life to process them and they're a part of my life to process me. And not only will I get closer to the Lord in that journey, but I'll get closer to them. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing about the family of God. And I just want to say, Pathway Church, I love you. I'm so thankful for what God is doing inside of you. Yeah, you got some problems. Anybody got some problems? Anybody got some drama? I know, I know, I know, I know. It's okay. We're going to survive it. It's going to be okay. Just tap somebody on the show. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it. It's, gonna, it's part of the process. It's part of the process. And God has a pattern for this development too. In fact, if you think about it in the scriptures, what you see over and over is first there's the promise, and then there's the process, and then there's the promotion. Promise, the process, then the promotion. And we can see this in the life of Joseph. In fact, I want us to look there. You can go ahead and get your uh, hand in uh, the page of Genesis chapter 37. We'll be there. We'll also be over in Hebrews chapter 10. And here's what we're going to see. We're going to see that the story of Joseph, the plan for Joseph's life started like ours. It started with a, prop, with a promise. A promise that he was going to be great that even his brothers would bow down to him and that he would provide for them. And he would, he would, it was this incredible promise. He started just like that. Genesis chapter 37 and verse five, the Bible says Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. So he starts with the promise. This dream God promises Joseph he'd be a great leader it wasn't only that his brothers would bow down, not only that he would lead them, but thousands would be led by him. But when you read Joseph's story, you don't have to get far from here before you realize that while Joseph had a great promise, he also had some character 
issues. And God uses the process to drive the character issues out of our life. Relationship with God and the process that we go through in our relationship with the Lord, I, I, I like to talk about the idea of uh, being in right relationship with the Lord. Where is right relationship? Is it an X on the map? It's more like just taking one step closer to the Lord every single day. One step closer. You keep getting closer to the Lord. As you do, God works on some things in our life. Think about what happened with Joseph. Joseph bragged to his brothers. It wasn't just enough for him to have the promise, but he bragged to his brothers to let them know what they didn't have and what he did have. So you see his pride there. You see also that later he tattled on his brothers to make himself look better. So we see that he's battling there with manipulation. And then finally, what did Joseph do? He flaunted his special robe that his father had given him. There's nothing wrong with the blessings of the Lord. Have you been blessed by the Lord? Let me just say, when God blesses you, he blesses you like he wants to bless you. And there's a lot of reasons why he blesses you. There are reasons why he blessed Joseph. And you don't have to feel guilty that God blesses you. In fact, I just want to encourage everybody today in a season and an age of of diminishing one another and pushing other people down. Listen, if God has blessed you, you rise in that blessing and be thankful to the Lord for his blessing on your life. In fact, you can just say, look, favor ain't fair. It's not fair that Joseph had a blessing that his other brothers uh, had, but God gave him that blessing. But what we do with that blessing matters. And so Joseph flaunted this and he demonstrated his insecurity. He, He had to show off what it was that had happened to him in a way that was damaging to his brothers. And so we see that God is working on him. And so the Lord looks down on Joseph while he's going through his process. And, you know, he says, Joseph, you have your promise. Now it's time to put you in a process that's going to develop you for the promise that you have. And then that's when Joseph's wilderness began. And of course, we know the story, what happened with his brothers. His brothers were mad at him. They wanted to kill him. One of his brothers stepped up and said, let's don't do that. Let's just make it look like he was killed. We'll put some blood on this special coat he has, take it to dad, and we'll tell dad that he got uh, killed by by a wild animal. And and so that's what they did. And in the meantime, they threw him in a pit. Some slave traders came by. They sold their brother to to these slave traders that would begin this terrible wilderness that Joseph would experience. So Joseph spent the next 13 years of his life in the wilderness. His experience, like ours, is unique. Nobody else will go through that. Nobody else will go through what I went through. Not not even Kelly. Kelly didn't go go through what I went through. We were in the same boat, but we were handling different challenges. Our kids were in the same boat. They were handling different challenges. The people your age, the people your color, the people your socioeconomic status. Listen, everybody's pain and everybody's process is different. The key here is to make sure that when we're in the process, we're hearing God's voice for our life. Because God will bring his promise to pass if we will survive the process. But there is no realizing the promise without the process. Now, when you're in the wilderness, here are some of the things that you might feel. You might feel 
separated. You also might feel stuck. And to me, when I'm in the wilderness, sometimes, regardless of what it looks like on the outside, I also feel unstable. Can anybody relate to that at all? When you're going through something, you just are like, sometimes I'll get down into something and say, Travis, just chill out. Just chill out. I like to handle things, but I don't have to handle everything. In the wilderness, these are some of the things we feel. Now, when we're separated, we see in Joseph's life, one moment he was surrounded by comfort and security because he was a favored son and a good family. He was blessed. Thank God for good family. Everybody ought to have a good family. But when you don't have a good family, God does some good work. Sometimes what looks to be like a good family isn't a good family. And then the brothers that you have that you thought were good, they throw you in a pit. So one moment he was surrounded by comfort, and the next moment he was in the wilderness. You know, I think one of the reasons why God separates us as we're going through the wilderness is so that he can get us one-on-one. He can get us focused. Are there any teachers in the room today? If you're a teacher, just raise your hand. Have you ever tried to teach while there's a kid back in the back, a class clown, like you can't even tell what's going on, but every time you look away, he makes a face and everybody laughs and you're trying to give a lesson? Am I, is that like true? Am, anything like that? Or have you ever tried to talk to your kids while the TV is on? You can't do it. Sometimes God says, let me just turn down the noise and just look at me right here. Listen, in your wilderness, you may be going through some difficulties, but you're in a great opportunity to be one-on-one with God. When, when the wilderness separates us, it's not really so that we can be alone or that we would be lonely. It's so that we can be with God. We can also be stuck. Think about Joseph. He traded his pit for a slave, uh, slave chains he, and then his chains for a prison cell. And, and no matter how you slice it, Joseph was stuck. And no matter how we slice it in our situations, at times we find ourselves stuck. Is it possible that God has not opened the door to your next season? He's not letting you move forward. What feels like you're stuck, is it possible that God is doing that so that the things in your life that are not in alignment with him can line up so that you can make it in the next season of life. So that those character flaws can be worked out of your life. Now, I'm not saying that God is the one that puts you in the wilderness. I'm not saying bad things come from God. In fact, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. The Bible also says that what Satan meant for evil, God will use it for good. So I'm not saying that God sold Joseph into slavery, but what I am saying is that when Joseph was sold into slavery, God said, now this is the time for me to refine Joseph's life. Look, I don't wanna excuse away why you got harmed or who harmed you. I don't want to make excuses for them. If somebody's abused you, they ought to be dealt with. But if you're going through pain because you're in a wilderness, let me tell you, don't waste the wilderness and miss out on hearing from God's voice and hearing God. He wants to mold you. He wants to shape you. And then when we feel unstable and we read Joseph's story, you'll notice a a painful pattern that's there. And for me, I want to know what's going to happen to me. Uh, I don't care if it's bad news. I want you to tell me. I I don't want to be led off into something where I'm waiting for the next bad. Just give me the truth. Just give me the truth. Is there anybody that said, just give me the truth today? So let let me tell you the truth 
about this pattern um, concerning the wilderness and God bringing about his purpose. First, there's a glimmer of hope. Then there's testing. And then there's a correct response. That's what should happen when your character begins to be reformed. And then sometimes when you give the correct response, then the circumstances worsen. Have you noticed that? Have you ever noticed that sometimes doing the wrong thing will give you a good benefit, but doing the right thing might get you thrown in jail? Because I've noticed that. I've noticed that sometimes doing the right thing is the hardest thing in the world because doing the right thing, saying what it is you're supposed to say, it sometimes leads to terrible consequences. For instance, when the trumpet blasts, bow down to the statue and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're like, we're not gonna stand or we're not gonna bow. And they're sticking out like sore thumbs. Now they've been faithful to the Lord. They've done what they were supposed to do. But when they did what they were supposed to do, what happened? The fiery furnace is what happened next. Now there's some good truth in that and we could get down and mind that too. But this is one thing you need to know about the wilderness is, is when you are alone, you are not really alone because even like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king looked into the furnace and he said, wait, I thought we threw in three, but there's a fourth man there. There is a fourth man there. It's not just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but it's the son of God. And there's no place you could go, no pit too deep, no prison too dark that God wouldn't be with you in the middle of your wilderness. And so he worked in this, in this process. You know, Daniel, same thing, right thing, wrong repercussions. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because he wouldn't compromise. Uh, Paul was thrown into prison because he preached. Stephen was stoned because he wouldn't lie. And Jesus was nailed to the cross because he brought freedom for you and me. And I want to challenge you the next time that you're face-to-face with your process and you think, you know what, I can't do what's right. Listen, I'm thankful that Jesus did what is right because even though he had to face some negative uh, repercussions today because he did what was right when it was hard to do what was right, I know Jesus, I'm saved, we're saved, we're free. Aren't you thankful for that today? Amen. Amen. Yeah, being in God's will really doesn't mean that we're gonna avoid struggle. I just wanna tell you that today. It would be so much easier. But it also reminds me also that being in God's will means that we should have some grit. And I just, listen, you give me enough time, I'm gonna complain about the culture, okay? In fact, I have been apologizing a little bit for getting on pop cultural rants that I do from time to time. I pretty much wanna quit apologizing because I wanna do it more. It's fun to me. I enjoy it a little bit. Here's one thing that's problem with the culture right now is we, we, we don't have enough grit. We, we don't have enough elbow grease. We don't do enough hard things. We're surrounded by snowflakes. There's so much snowflakery in our culture and in our church. You know what? Imagine what would happen if we had faith and then we had the feet to walk out the faith that God has called us to have. Imagine what would happen. And so... Hey, with that, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, more grit, less quit. More grit, less quit. Here's what Hebrews chapter 10 says about this. Hebrews 10, verse 36 and 37. Now, this is in the message translation, okay? I'm reading this because it just sounds really good today. My favorite translation is New Living Translation. That's what I usually preach out of. 
There's some other really great faithful translations, but this is good today. So don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing, but you need to stick it out, staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I love it when everything just happens easy, but there are a lot of things that God does in our life. He gets us started, and he says, now run the race, run the race. How many incredible men and women of God full of promise and potential and destiny quit when it got difficult? Pathway Church, I want you to be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. I want you to work like it's up to you and pray like it's up to God. And you get in there, listen, when you're tired in the hospital and you're tired in your workplace, you're, you're tired in your family, listen, just go ahead and do what you need to do. Muscle up, keep a stiff upper lip and reach out there and continue to do what you're supposed to do even if you don't see the fruit. Listen, not every seed that you plant is gonna grow in a day. Some things grow quick and some things it just takes a while, but you gotta keep working the field that God has placed you in. Don't quit. That was Joseph's attitude. He stayed at it. You know, I think if Joseph was here today, he'd give you some advice for staying in the process, you know, staying in the wilderness. Here's what he would say. Number one, embrace God's plan. Don't escape God's plan. If God wants you in the wilderness, be the best person that you can be inside the wilderness. And I'm not saying for you to stay broke or for you to stay frustrated, but I'm saying wherever you are, be there. Be present in that moment. Hear the voice of the Lord in the mountaintop and hear the voice of the Lord in the valley. Don't try and get away from God saying, listen, have you ever spanked a kid? When, you know, I'm not supposed to talk about this either, am I? Have you ever, okay, have you ever, let's do it in a way that won't get me arrested. Um, have you ever been spanked and with each spank you tried to run from it? Have you ever seen a parent going around in a circle? No, that did not happen in the Johnson household. When my dad whooped me, I took it. And the reason I took it is because there were repercussions. Like if I ever put my hand back there, then that one didn't count. So I just got good at taking it, right? And uh, okay, there was a lesson to, learn, to be learned. There, the, 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 the discipline, the, you know, the sooner we can stop making excuses for why we got in trouble and the sooner we can receive the correction of a good father, the sooner we can get over our mess and stop repeating that same nonsense because the most damaging thing is not the, the paddle that we got to our backside. The most damaging thing is that we would have a father that wouldn't correct us when we did damaging things. So when we're in the wilderness, get down in the wilderness and say, God, what is it that you're speaking to me in this moment? It seemed like in Joseph's life, you know, he was distracted by the future. But when he got to the place that he said, in, I'm going to be in the moment, that's when God began to develop him. Here's the second thing Joseph would say. He would say, move closer to your purpose, not further from your purpose. And a lot of us get bitter and frustrated when we get down into these 
challenges. Genesis chapter 41 and 37 is a good reminder that at every turn in Joseph's life seemed like he was getting further from God's promise, but it's not true. God was actually moving him closer. Verse 37, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Joseph had come and interpreted a dream and had told him what to do about the dream. Verse 38, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? Do you realize that the Pharaoh of Egypt thought himself to be God? And here he is, the greatest man he knows, the most God-like man that he knew, said there is no other man that is more covered up in the presence of God and Joseph. There's not another man like him. And so because of that, Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of these dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you, you will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. What a journey Joseph went on. His brothers, the, the pit, slavery, Potiphar's house, prison, interpreting dreams for the baker and the wine taster in the prison. Those dreams were true. Uh, they came true, and, and, and then Pharaoh's own people forgot about him, left him in prison for even longer. What a journey God took Joseph on. What was that journey like? It wasn't like this. You know, that's how I like it to be. God saves me, and then it's just up from there. That's how I want it to be. Has anybody ever experienced that? It's more like this, right? And the next thing you know, well, look what the Lord's done. I never would have picked that route. I don't like that route. You know, the way God routes our lives, it doesn't always make sense. But let me tell you the way that God routes our lives is the right way every single time. I never would have asked for the brain scan. I never would have asked for the facial swelling. I never would have asked for the glasses. I never would have asked for the nosebleeds. I never would have asked for the asthma. I, I, I never would have asked for the financial loss. But I look and say, look at what God has done. In fact, the way that everything worked out, the crazy thing is the way that everything worked out and the timing, it enabled me to skip some of what happened with the housing crisis so that, you know, there are other people that lost money that didn't have the Chinese drywall. They didn't have the health issues. And would you believe that God restored everything that we lost and some? Not my plan. Don't want to do it again. I look back and say, man, imagine, look at what God did there. Look at what, look what we met here. Look how it changed my attitude here. I became a better pastor, more compassionate because I went through that stuff. You know, when you haven't been touched by difficulty, you can't understand other people going through difficulty. But listen, when you've been broken hard and your body's been racked with pain and you've lost money and you've lost friends, when you meet other people that are going through loss, it's a lot easier to sit down on the ground and weep with one another and say, you know what, I don't have all the answers, but I know a God who helped me through this. Isn't it awesome what God does?
I read about a, a young man that grew up in Detroit and he played baseball. And then now it feels to me like everybody in Mobile plays baseball. Well, we got some great baseball players coming out of Mobile all the time. Well, this kid was good. He got a minor league contract and he had dreams of paying, playing in the major leagues. I think that was around 1952 or so. And about three years into playing ball, he had a catastrophic knee injury. It ended his career. He never, he never got to play like he wanted to play. And so he comes limping home, heartbroken. Maybe somebody said, well, you never should have tried that in the first place because that's how a lot of our dreams go. If one person has a dream, there's everybody else that tells it like crabs in a bucket, just trying to pull you down. Don't, you know, I'm not gonna get ahead, but I definitely don't want you to get ahead because I'd rather feel good about me if you aren't getting ahead too. And so I don't know, I think maybe that was what it was like. He's coming home and his dad says, son, you can move back in with me, but you gotta get a job. If you wanna move in with me, you gotta get a job. So he went to one of his friends who had a pizza place and said, hey, I need to get a job. He said, I can't afford to pay you. He said, well, I can't move home unless I get a job, so you don't have to pay me. I'll just come wash dishes for you. He started washing dishes. And then he started enjoying what he's doing. And then he learned how to make pizzas. And then people wanted his pizzas. And he enjoyed making pizzas so much that he said, well, I'm gonna open my own pizza place. So he opened up his own pizza place. And then another pizza place, and another pizza place, and another pizza place. Until today, probably everyone has had a piece of pizza that was made by Mike Illich coming out of Little Caesar's Pizza. That's a pretty cool thing. Now, he came from Detroit. He never got to play for the Detroit Tigers, but because he had a knee injury that ended his career and he went into a wilderness, you know what happened? He got a job washing dishes and then he started making pizza. Then he owned some pizza places. He called it Little Caesar's and he made so much money that he went out and bought the Detroit Tigers himself. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Now, I know he wanted to play baseball and every kid wants to be a baseball player. Every kid wants to be a fireman. Every kid wants to be an astronaut. They want to do something that's really cool. But I bet you anything that Mike Illich, he died in 2017. If he was still alive, he would say, I'm really glad for that knee injury. And I loved Little Caesars, wouldn't you? So everybody just say right now with me, pizza, pizza. Come, go ahead. Pizza, pizza. Pretty awesome. What a dream. And what about you? And what about me? It's not punishment, it's a process. And that marital strife you're going through right now, it may be difficult, but if you'll get down in that wilderness and you'll listen to the voice of the Lord and allow him to work, you know what? God can turn your marriage into a miracle. He can do something amazing in your life. Hey, if you walked into this place today in the wilderness and you're tired and feel heavy, pick up your head. Lift up your chin, square your shoulders back, and you understand that the God that created you is right there in the wilderness with you. He has not left you, and he's not done with your story. Somebody give God praise for that today. Here, here's just one more thing I want you to know. Is it in your wilderness? Joseph would say, in your wilderness, God will deliver you, and God will join you. So you won't, you won't be alone. There's a, a phrase that appears again and again throughout Joseph's wilderness, and it always follows a moment where things have gotten really bad. For example, when Joseph was sold into slavery, in Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, here's what the Bible says. The Lord was with Joseph. Say that with me. With 
Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And then when he was thrown into prison, Genesis 30, 39, verse 20, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. I bet Joseph was thinking, I don't want a cellmate. I want a deliverer. Uh, God, that's great that you're with me, but I want you to boost me on out of here. I want to I go, but over time, something began to change in Joseph's life and he began to discover here something that was better than the promise of God and that is the presence of the one who gives the promise. So many of us are looking for gifts Boy, if we just change our focus onto the gift giver. Yes, I want the Holy Spirit to do something good in me, but you know what I really want? I want the presence of the Holy Spirit. I want God to deliver me, but God, I really want to be with you. And you want to be with me. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Joseph just began being worked on. When he was thrown in prison, the Lord was with him. And over and over, this same phrase shows up. Yeah, the wilderness is tough. There's no question about that but in time if you trust the Lord you'll be able to treasure the wilderness today in 2022 I treasure the wilderness that Kelly and I went through you know what I think that the church there in South Florida is better for it as well because there is a real grit in that church that doesn't quit. There's a real grit here at Pathway Church that's here because there are some people that they wouldn't quit. You know, things are not gonna be perfect. There are gonna be challenges that we're gonna face and mistakes that we're gonna make and there are gonna be some failures you're gonna have to overcome and that I'm gonna have to overcome. See, we are not the ones that are perfect. God places us in the wilderness to perfect us. And listen, here's what I'll say. I'll be patient with you if you'll be patient with me and let's keep going. Let's hold on to the hand of God and hold on to one another's hand because God wants to do something down in our hearts and in our lives. But we gotta treasure it. We have to be grateful for it. And then as, as Joseph realized that God was enough, he was enough in the pit, he was enough in chains, he was enough in prison, then God began to reveal the gift of his promise right there in the wilderness. Now Joseph was promoted. And if you would just stand with me all over pathway right now. Joseph was promoted. We know he became second in charge in Egypt. And wow, what an amazing thing. You can, you can do anything you want. You never wait in lines. You got the fast pass, not just to Disney, but to everything. Joseph was promoted. You know why he was promoted? There's a reason why Joseph was promoted. Remember that phrase, and the Lord was with him? You remember that? The Lord was with him. Here's why Joseph, because there's nothing different about Joseph and you, because the Lord is with you today. Your wilderness today, God is with you, whether you know it or not, God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But here's why Joseph was promoted. Joseph wasn't only promoted because God was with him. Joseph was promoted because Joseph was with God. When we come to the place where we say, God, I trust you and I wanna be with you, then God begins to mold and shape our hearts and we just begin to get seasoned enough by that wilderness experience. And then God says, okay, now I can trust you with this next thing. Listen, there are for so many people, 
that, that are used greatly, God first allows to be hurt deeply. It's in that deep hurt that God brings us close where we're dependent on Jesus. Until you come to the place where you say, God, I have to have you. God will not force himself into your life. But men, when we access God that way, then he will do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ask or think. And so here's my question for you today. Are you with God? Are you with God? We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.